When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Hello, hello, and welcome to the Postcredit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at BroBible.com. Today, as always, I am joined by my co-host, Kate Onder, the hottest free agent in the uh, video game, entertainment, <laughs> writing, PR space. Uh, you could find Kate at Cade underscore Onder on Twitter.com. Twitter, twitter.com i'm showing the fact that i'm 31 by still calling it dot com um <laughs> today we're talking about dune 2 and literally every time i say or hear the word dune 2 i think about have you seen that meme about the neighbor from office space and he's like yeah i'm dune 2 chicks i literally cannot hear that word and not think about it so <laughs> dune part two denny villeneuve's Upcoming, Kate, if you had to make a bet of $100 of what this film's global box office total is going to be. At the end? Yeah. Once all's done? Yeah. And, oh, and you would win if you were within $50 million. Let me check the Dune Part 1 box office. I'm going to do a Well, but shady. that was 2021. So that's Yeah, so that was like... Data. That's, that's and, and that had HBO Max day and date, so that and that still made four hundred thirty four million dollars. Like that was pretty significant. Yeah. That was a big success. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go six hundred million. That feels low. It does, but like I don't know. I it it's such like a weird movie that, and I don't. Uh, the first movie had this like benefit of like people probably didn't know what it was in the general audience. The people that were going for Timothy Chalamet, the people that were going for Zendaya, they didn't know what it was. And I do think some people didn't fuck with it as much, especially I'm seeing now people are like, I'm rewatching Dune part one. This movie's so slow. It's so boring. And it's funny. I actually like Dune more now on rewatch. Really? Did, because did you, you don't, you because all right. So the first time you watch uh, any film. Yeah. You are most enraptured with the plot. You want to know what happens next. So you're constantly right. on edge looking forward towards that. So I'm going into Dune expecting this massive sci-fi that I've never heard of before. So when it wound up being like a rather political focused and like a backroom backstabbing stillness and slowness in the moment, I was like, well, this is not what I expected. Yeah. The story didn't unfold as audaciously as I had hoped. Sure. But now once you're able to rewatch something without sort of the pressure of being excited for what comes next and you could appreciate the nuances of what you're seeing, I think that I enjoyed it a lot more. In fact, I actually think I like the plot of Dune One more than Dune Two. Now, really? but that's a different story. So yeah, I I I, uh, I haven't watched Dune Part One since the theater. I haven't. I oh, I wow. kind of just kind of left that experience on its own because I really enjoyed it in the theater, and I'm like, I don't know if I can enjoy it as much as I did at home. Uh, 
especially I'm very ADHD at home. So I would be like all over the place. Um, but uh, I could probably see myself watching the second one at home more. It's got a lot more momentum behind it, I think. Uh, even if you like the plot of one more, I think there's just a lot more going on that can keep you actively engaged. Um, and that's what I was looking for out of this movie because a lot of people were like, Doom Part 1 kind of setting up Part 2. Part 2 is where shit's going to kick off. And I was like, all right, let's see how much it kicks off. And it it does. That movie goes places. I actually, so I just looked it up real quick. Uh, it's currently projected to reach $175 million globally in its opening weekend without yeah. opening in China. It doesn't hit China until the following week. Um, I'd say that this is probably a $750 million, $800 million. If you think... Because here's the greatest trick that this film pulled. Its use of young stars is going to get young people to the theaters. And yeah. from Oppenheimer to Barbie to Rise of Gru, when you get <laughs> young people going to the theaters, that's when you make those that, that crazy money. So I think the combination of Zendaya, Chalamet, Butler, Pugh has had that sort of not only global effect because Zendaya and Chalamet and Pew, not quite Butler yet, probably soon, are like global stars. Mm-hmm. Plus they're young. So that's why I think it's gonna make I mean I think that's you know, what I'm hopeful for. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I, I talked about one of the genius things that Denny Villeneuve did with I guess the whole franchise at this point is he's been casting those younger names. Like he, I said, this is the kind of cast you would have seen back in like 2013 during the big young adult novel adaptation. Mm, boom. Great. Point. Um, Cause like think about the hunger games. They had like fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman, yep. uh, you know, all these huge actors in that movie. And this movie is kind of replicating that. It's like, this is a very dense, weird story. You cannot just sell it on the big grand scale on its own, you need those kinds of big names to kind of get people in as like a vehicle. And then you can hopefully win them over. I, when I saw Dune part two, there were families there, whole families of really? like really young kids, uh, which I was a little bit surprised by because especially because this movie's really dark, but um, I mean, this, this is a family outing, I guess. Like people are taking everyone. Is it R? PG 13. Whoa. Very hard. PG-13. That is fucking yeah. impressive. It wow. is. The first movie makes sense as PG thirteen. I think it's too graphic, but this one's like goes pretty pretty violent, especially by the end. Yeah, but there's not much blood and gore. They Austin Butler slits a woman's neck. <laughs> just, yes, but I don't think they show the blood and gore. They, they, I mean, it's like black, right? I think that's yeah. the way they get around it. Like because yeah. they're not showing blood, it's like black, it's like oily or whatever. And so uh, that's again the brilliant of uh, of this movie is making it as accessible as he possibly can to get as many people in and doing those cheats where he can kind of get away with the darkness, the violence, imply it or whatever, mm. but still make it PG thirteen. Yeah, and and you don't. Well, I wonder. I wonder if that was his call from the start. You know what Maybe. I mean? Like, where did yeah. that choice come from? Because there's a, you know what? Spoiler warning. We are going to talk about the movie Dune Part 2 in its entirety starting at this point. Once we're done with this tangent, we'll, we'll start fresh. There's a scene of implied fucking, right? If yeah. this is an R film, how much further does he push that? Is there's Denis- a couple scenes. It, and But I don't even really know if Denis Villeneuve is that type of filmmaker. His films are largely sexless. 
I mean, so it, there's so you ever I, seen anime. Yeah, but I, yeah, <laughs> that's but, a that's a whole movie about affairs and cheating and. and yeah, but stuff. I, I I don't think that there's like any. Oh, there's any graphic sexual. scenes yeah. in it. That's like an angry movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any like proper sex scenes in his movies. I mean, there's like you said, there's uh 2049 where she like hires, yeah, but that's not they don't show that either. Regardless, I wonder because when you have Oppenheimer rated R almost a billion, why couldn't Dune Part Two do that as well? I, I I'm not sure it matters. But now that realizing for the first time that it's PG-13, I'm pretty surprised. Yeah, I mean, I guess you, you have to take into account this is like a it's a sequel. It's a weirder story. It's not as like you can just get people in to come in off, you know, the basis of it being one and done. I don't um, know if I agree. I think that this one has more public appeal generally than Dune Part 1 did. Because Dune, maybe. Part, Dune Part 1 came out at a, at a time where people weren't going two theaters and then therefore aren't as touched with film sure. culture as much. Butler wasn't famous yet. Mm. Chalamet, Pugh, Zadea are literally all older and have been famous for longer. So yeah. I, I, I think that you, that this is, that that is probably the number one reason that more other than COVID. But <laughs> what? Go ahead. I, I don't think it needs to be R. Like they get away with everything they need to do with it being PG thirteen. I don't feel like the movie's lacking. Like like you said, there's there's basically like two quote unquote sex scenes in the movie. There's one of Zendaya and Timothy after they've had sex. Like you yes. see, if you're one of those people on Twitter that's like, I hate sex scenes. Why can't they just show me what happens after? You get that in this movie. <laughs> and then uh, one with uh, you know Butler. Yeah, Butler and Leia Sedu. Yep. Um, and you don't see it, but you see kind of the start of it and the implications of what happens with that. Um, so I mean, like, it's like, I, do I need to see that again? I don't care if you show me sex scenes in a movie, but it's like the movie does not like. It's a almost three hour movie, right? So it's yeah. like fucking just show me that this, this shit's and, pregnant. <laughs> and I'm not trying to like say this film needs more tits and blood, but what sure, I'm yeah. is. I am just curious whose decision, whose idea it was that yeah. this should be PG 13. Cause you could easily make this film R like if he easily swayed to the R. If he for, wants to have as safe of a chance to get to Dune Messiah as he wants, then I say PG 13 is the best course of action. Cause like right. I said, you're not losing enough to be like, oh, I wish this was rated R. Give me the director's cut of this movie. Um, he still goes to the places he needs to go. And I'm just glad that he's able to deliver that efficiently, effectively, know how to use those cheats and cut corners to make it still implied. Like you said, you didn't even know. So like, I know, I didn't know. There, there you go. Like that, if yeah. that's, if it's effective enough that you would think that it's rated R, like I'd say fucking well played, man. All right, let's do this. General thoughts, Cade. Cade, your review went viral, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I think if you just tweeted the word Dune Part 2 for that two-day stretch there, it yeah. would, like, catch, catch fire. So you don't have to go bar for bar, of course, but why don't you share your general thoughts about the film? Yeah, I I was really uh, taken aback by the whole experience, seeing it blown up on IMAX screens. You know, I love IMAX so much, and um feeling the loudness of the machines in the movie the music the action i didn't watch i like 
had seen trailers, but I didn't pay attention to them. I did that very intentionally. I was like, I want to go in as blind as I possibly can to this. And it was so worth it. See everything that happens towards the end with the big, you know, climax of the movie uh, was all a big surprise for me. And I was so excited by it. I was just really impressed by, I think Denny's um, precognizant ability to be like, if one works and we get to do the sequel, we're going to have so much payoff, you know, all these callbacks, whether it be through the visions that, timothy or uh, paul Trades has been having or you know the i recognize your footsteps old man like that line i'm like that's that's my that's my shit and there's all these just amazing moments throughout the movie that you know continuously builds up a sense of momentum i would say it, it like there's some momentum left over from the first movie that it kind of takes the baton and runs with it continues to build on that momentum until you get this really I mean, they pick right up yeah, I think they're yeah because they're, they're still they go carrying jumps. The, yeah, they're they're still on the journey to where they're, who's they're like going. Now, who's like now through death is his boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you you <laughs> fucking killed me. We're boys. <laughs> we are bound by literal blood. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it, it's just a really amazing large scale experience that, and, and it's also very clear to me that Warner Brothers was like, you succeed with the first movie, just go all in, just. Do your thing. What a weird studio. It's like, how do they pull this off and Wonka and Barbie, but but then still like generally just be (laughs) considered like they're just running around with their heads cut off. Yeah. They, when they let a guy who's like just in charge, like leave a director to do their fucking work. It usually works out. As it were. Yeah, exactly. If you trust the guy who's going to deliver something big to just fucking do his job, he'll probably do it. And I mean, this movie's weird. It's strange. There's some things that they're setting up for the third movie that I'm like, I can't believe if they go there, that's gonna be like just bonkers. Like what? Like the stuff with Leia Seydoux's character. I think I don't know what happens in that book, but the implications that they're leaving there with her pregnancy is very interesting to me. Which given, well, or do we want to spoil this? Spoiler territory. Yep. Go for uh, okay. it. Warning for Dune, the whole fucking plot. I've warned you twice now. I I want to know if they're gonna bring back Austin Butler's character in some way through this child. Because as far as I understand, I guess spoilers for Dune Messiah as well. The one thing I do know about that is Jason Momoa's character's coming back. And he I've died. heard that too, as like yeah. a zombie or something. Yeah. yeah so what... I'm like, if you can do that with a baby and have Austin Butler's character come back, because I'm like, the one thing I was disappointed. But she in said it's like, a girl. Oh, did they? Yes. Are you are you sure? Because the yeah, she said the, it, the baby it's a there. girl. She said it's a girl as you wished. Because they made a whole oh, that's st- right. Yes, they made a whole stink about yes. Jessica in the first one going against them and doing a boy. So, yes. but I mean, I look, I think that all that shit's on the fucking table. Because, Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so all of the possibilities there are cool, and I mean, I mean, they're they're doing it. I just put out a tweet today that yeah. Hans Zimmer is already doing the Writing music. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm very interested in all the directions they're going with that. And um, what's her name? Anna Taylor Joy, Joy. right? Yep. Yeah. Whatever they're gonna do with her, I'm sure she's coming back. You don't cast an actor like that for, for sure. half a second. Um, there's all these interesting lingering threads, and it. I I think the thing that also excites me the most is like again, not knowing what happens in the third book or the second book. Um, is Chani? I think is her name. Is Zendaya's character? She 
seems to be the hero of this story. It closing on her face is a huge tell. Yeah, and huge she tell. she is kind of this figure that uh, Paul Atreides saw himself in a lot of these heroic visions in the first movie, and then she is fulfilling it in the second movie. And I'm like, holy fuck! And that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, where, like, Denny sets the stage in the first movie and is like, if this works, we're gonna do something really cool in the next one. And Cue, you just pay off. Cue the, uh, oh man, why is Dune gone woke comments when yeah. Dune, Dune came out in, like, 1962. <laughs> um, <laughs> dumbasses. <laughs> uh, Alright, look. Dune Part 1, I remember coming out bummed, as I just said uh, at the top of the show, you know, and I talk about this all the time, managing expectations for art you're excited for, for art you love, for art you love, for art you've never experienced before. It's a difficult thing to do. So when, when I'm going into Dune 2, it literally has the highest IMDB score of all time. I'm seeing five stars left, right, and center. It's being compared to The Dark Knight and... Uh, empire strikes back and it's like uh, all right <laughs> so i mean this is the yeah. bar that's been set i guess that's cool i don't i don't think it is in the class of those two films or even denny's blade runner 2049 visually this might be the most impressive film i've ever seen i would say uh, so yeah not just visually but sonically texturally his whole decision to black and white the Harkonnen's world but only at particular moments mm -hmm. is something that a lesser director could try and it would feel like a shtick but it all adds to this like world building and immersion that I think is like a step forward for film in general because I forgot that I was I mean I didn't forget that I was watching a film but yeah. when you watch Ant-Man 3 right you're like I'm in a fucking cartoon yeah. bouncy house, you know? Watching Dune 2, I'm like, I'm on the planet Arrakis. You know I'm what my in favorite, fucking Dune. My favorite touch was of that black and white stuff. They have these little fireworks that go off. Oh, and it's, it's like, like big ink, puddles ink, of oil. Like, it's yeah. like ink splatters, yeah. It's like, that's like those. That's their way of celebrating is they have these fucking ink blots just splattered yeah. across the sky. That really tells you something about those people and how right. fucking dark their world is. That yeah. they don't have even colors in their fireworks yeah that's yeah. cool so it's all that stuff that that just in terms of like a five senses experience yeah and i should add i saw this i completely forgot i saw this in those 40x theaters <laughs> yeah which was like a disneyland ride basically yeah. um once i got over the sort of shock of how much my chair was that moving annoying. but once i like understood when to expect it and when not to yeah. it was fucking sick that's i gotta be honest with you so i don't know how much that's contributing to my immersion feel i'm sure there's a bit but yeah just from a world building his his ability to combine tech that is futuristic mm -hmm. and looks old in a foreign planet that has characteristics of earth and blending those things all in one is unbelievable but cinema to me and Denis Villeneuve will literally say I don't care about talking I am an image maker and that's fine I see cinema ultimately as storytelling and for mm -hmm. to tell a story you need a narrative and 
that is where this film falls short for me because the narrative remains the same basically the entire time. Paul begins a prophet. He remains one throughout the entire film and he is one at the end. And while his journey to get there is a bit bumpy, you never question whether he's going to get there all the same. Even Paul like knows that he's like, I'm going to be a fucking, I'm going to be that dude. And so the only drama becomes the way in which he chooses to wield that power. The problem is that the Dune story is so popular. I went into it knowing Knowing. that Paul's arc is kind of dark. And is that the film's fault? No. No. But when you're adapting a popular, one of the most popular American stories ever written, that is the cost of doing business. But regardless, and this is why I think I like the plot of Dune one more, because it better portrays the hero's journey, not a destination. But because Paul begins at the end, he's, he's a prophet, prophet, prophet. It's difficult for me to sort of emotionally latch onto him do you, and do follow you think, him through this. Do you think that this is a case of this being one story that they split into two parts where this could almost be the third act of that story? That's a really and good I, point. I get it. I get it because it is still a movie, right? You do need the, the structure and stuff. No, no, no. That's, that's a great point. I had but... I had I had not thought of that. Um, that is a really good point. I think if I were to assess it in totality, I think that that's the case for the project at large, right? Probably. Like this is gonna one day be like a Lord of the Rings type thing yeah. where throwing on the extended cut and just watching it for a day straight is going to be a very popular thing. So that has caused me to change my mind a bit and and, <laughs> and and amend my feelings in that regard because I forgot to take it within the context of where he starts in Dune 1. Sure. So, okay. So I'm going to bump it then from four stars to four and a half stars. I, nice. I, wow. I appreciate his hero's journey more, but ultimately for me, a five-star film is a Dark Knight Blade Runner 2049 film, which I think is a apt comparison here because Paul is so prophetic and um, monolithic that other than that one rousing speech, he's a pretty walled off guy. Yeah. Agent K was kind of the same. Mm-hmm. But when you're on that emotional ride with K, when you think he's that kid, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck yeah, my dude's that kid. And then when you find out he's not, you're devastated. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way about Paul at any single point. And, and, that, and that becomes a problem when the movie is relying so heavily on a relationship that I know his profiteering, which is not, the right version <laughs> of that word, but his profitness <laughs> is going to get in the way of regardless. And they try to like literalize that point at the end where him being like, I will love you with every breath I take. And then being like, Florence Pugh, what up girl? So even it's aware of, of the way in which its character, its lead character undercuts its stories, drama. He He's a inconsistent character in, intentionally, right? Like he is, He's got so much in his fucking head that, like, how could you not be, like, a totally inconsistent person? Uh, it is a tough thing to portray uh, on all fronts. Um, I, it, It's interesting to I, – I do feel that, me personally, I was like, I don't want to see him go south, right? Because he knows if he goes south – but you knew, right? Like, do you know? Yeah, the- I was oh, aware that. Like, literally south. Yeah, but literally. I'm saying, like, you knew the Paul story going in. Yeah, right? I, I knew that this ends with him doing some bad shit. Uh, and then what? The bad shit being what? That he chooses to fire on 
Well, he's going to families kill all the houses. Right, that's his yeah. whole thing. He's he's, he's firing going, the nukes off. Is that what that the... that seems to be the idea? Yeah, okay. and whoa, uh, dude. Yeah, whoa. yeah, brother, you gotta you're acting like Vladimir Putin over boss, here. Really? Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is crazy. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was scared of him to go to the southern part of Arrakis because he knows that if he does the the prophecy that he sees for himself of becoming a bad person or bad things happening and billions and billions of people dying will come true and we are starting to see that happen and, and again not knowing much about the next book it does raise the question of like and i know there's like fucking 30 books there's a lot of books and so yeah. i don't yeah i think some of it's like other stories within the universe right, right. uh i don't know how much of them revolve around paul trades but um it does raise the question of like, will Zendaya's character be able to take him down? Is she is he blinded enough by his love for her that she could get close to him and probably not redeem him? I would say at a certain point, if we're, if he's talking about killing all these houses, may not be able to be redeemed, but could take him down feasibly. I mean, Paltry is the emperor of the universe now. <laughs> like that's real shit. Like yeah. <laughs> um, that's crazy. Uh, so and and he's mad with power. He does not have like um, Christopher Walken's emperor. Who is was like, so good in that? You knew the one line that they paid him for. Which one? One at the end where um, oh, I forget exactly what it is, but he's literally like one line that's not some like generic ruler yeah. type of thing and i'm like that's why they brought in the og yeah. for that one he, line right he there. doesn't have a lot of screen time but he has a presence every time he's on he's not he, he he's he fits right in and you can see that kind of like menace on his face like he's like i've this is all so fucked out of proportion like and and that's the great thing is like uh his emperor is like doing everything dirty in the shadows right like he's going behind people's backs to fuck over house of atreides and stuff like that and Paul Trade is like, fuck it. Put everyone on blast. Like, this is a full-blown holy war. Like, we are going to kill everyone, and everyone's going to know we're going to war. And, like, that's the difference between but him that's him. what frustrates the hell out of me, is what enacts the change? Other, I guess once he drinks that worm thing. Yeah. But emotionally, why does he go from being scared of going south and being scared of, as he said, millions starving for my holy war? I don't understand what toward what brings him to his choice at the end of the film to literally be the one to enact these things. He is called upon by like some some like counselors or something. There are these people there that that, that need to have a meeting, and they he is brought there because of that. Because something has happened. It's been a few days since I've seen it, but uh, whatever is happening with the how do they say it? The Harknesses, Harkonnens, Harkonnens. And I think the emperor is coming at this point as well. I can't remember. Uh, but there is something about war that is being discussed. And the, they are like, only a leader can attend this and speak at this meeting. That's why nobody at that meeting at the end is there. So they're like, you have to go because you are our leader. We've put you in that position. Bad things will happen if you don't go speak up. And once he's there, he drinks that um, worm juice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I assume. of life. You can see his mom as well start to become corrupted by whatever this is. Yeah. I hope we get a little bit more clarity on what the fuck all this shit is. Well, they the say they're still doing that show. That's right. Yeah. That's about them. Yeah. 
So, but there's something going on with whatever that does to your mind that clearly brings some corruptness, you know, corrupts you in some capacity. Um, and maybe doesn't allow you to see clearly because as soon as he drinks that, he goes full tail. Like it's yeah, it's rocky. But I I'm not sure I get why other than just cause. Yeah, I don't I don't totally remember why he drank it. I this is again, there's a lot no, of no, no. the the drinking thing he does because he, he believes in his mom, right? Isn't right. That, he's yeah. the one who kind of encourages him to do it. Yeah. But I don't understand, and that's another thing about Denis News visuals. Not just like the literal outer space stuff, but the way he's able to visualize very abstract visions and dreams in a way that's like comprehensible is awesome. So, because all this shit is basically gibberish, but because of the way that he's able to sort of deliver it to us, it makes some shred of sense. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so we've talked about our general thoughts. We've talked about the story and the visuals. Let's talk about some characters, which performances and so on that we like the most. I mean, even though I wasn't, as I've outlined, crazy with Paul's story, I thought Chalamet was really good. I think you said this in a, I think you said this. Like, I didn't know he had that speed or juice to him. Uh, You know, that one speech he gives is clearly the highlight of his performance as Paul so far. Same goes for Zendaya, even though like her skin looked way too good for somebody who's spent an entire <laughs> lifetime in like a harsh desert. Not enough chap lips. Yeah, I, I, it's very hard <laughs> to picture her as like a desert warrior, but I still thought that she was pretty good. Standouts for me are Rebecca Ferguson. I, I did not expect her story to go this way. Mm. I think she's fantastic in everything that she does, but to see her play... You know, a little bit more of an evil turn, i.e. Dr. Sleep vibes. I'm always there Mm. for that. Josh Brolin is generally one of my favorite actors out there. I love the sort of experience and wisdom and toughness he gives gives his role. Batista, I thought it was hilarious how his character was a giant pussy. I thought he played that. I did not see that coming at all. I thought that was a great little... He's very insecure. Yeah, yeah, a great little twist. Javier Bardem, using that character as sort of the comic relief and the spiritual compass of this film and combining those two things in one and allowing Bardem to be what he is, which is one of the best actors alive. I thought that he was the standout of of the film, which I don't think is really surprising. I think that it's kind of clear that he's meant to be, you know, as, as Paul's very serious and Shani is like very serious. He's like actually like has like some real personality to him that you didn't expect at all based on Dune part one. Uh, right. The first scene he's in, he shows up and he spits on the floor and he's like, I have to go now. Like he's deadly, <laughs> he's deadly serious in that first one, but in, in this one, they clearly use him as the film's comedic beats, but also mm-hmm. like the zealot of the lot, which mm-hmm. is an interesting mix. And I thought it worked great. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I I really like Josh Brolin. I was like, I'm not sure how much we're gonna see of him in this movie. I don't know what his role is because I knew he was coming back, but I was like, I don't know what role he plays. What and was what, he doing when they find him? He was working with smugglers. Okay, smugglers. Got gotcha. yeah, and um, he uh, he's probably the highlight of the movie outside of like the the um, immediate cast you know he's like my favorite supporting character uh i really like josh brolin in general and i think he's really great here as kind of like that father figure that paul doesn't have anymore and also like you can see that he's still serving paul's father through him and i love that and that undying when like paul is like g'ing up uh, yeah. like like the crowd at the end um, uh-huh. being like I'm the fucking ruler now he's basically the only one who's hyped <laughs> yeah he's like has this undying loyalty to Paul yeah. to the extent that he's willing to call him my lord and all this stuff right, and like right. I love that and at the very end when he's like you know I'll fight uh, Fade yeah, he's that like was no sick. I got this that was and sick though that was so it, sick it was and and he's like, why does he take these risks? And I'm like, <laughs> I just love that. I love his whole character, and I love that they more or less kind of do a parallel to that that fall of House Atreides in the first movie, the big battle sequence at their palace or whatever. Yeah. They kind of do that again with Gurney going through fucking all of them up and yep. killing Batista's character. I'm like, this is so great. All these yeah. these one to one parables, like callbacks. It's just so smart. And um, yeah, I really like his character. And then uh, Austin Butler's getting a lot of you know praise, and I I really like him in the movie. He's not the Joker. He's not. That's, uh, that's a fucking crazy call. He to doesn't make. have enough screen time. Is the biggest thing. He doesn't have enough screen time to get any of that those accolades. He comes in and he's very menacing. He's very scary. He's very good. It's just like he's not in the movie enough to be that kind of uh, shark. I as opposed to a shark, I feel he's more of a snake. Mm, I don't. I, I, I like, the, and I I really liked him, and I'm I was a little sad that he does die at the end because I was like, oh, I kind of want to see more of this guy. And that's why I was hoping that his child will be him, <laughs> right? Uh, just because I selfishly want more of him. But um, what he does do is great, and I mean the fight sequences in this movie between him and other people are so intense. I don't know about you, but during that last one with him and Paul, I was holding my breath, like I felt like tense in my body like i was like this is really intense and engaging and and scary i did enjoy it i will say the paul the way that paul eventually got him uh a little bit of plot armor maybe you yeah, know yeah yeah <laughs> he, he gets stabbed like what two or three times and then he just stabs him back and it's all good about no, maybe maybe there's something there in the first movie that like that also kind of parallels like he learned something that pays off in the end that I wasn't Well, like I but... mean um his dad tries to kill the baron when he gets close to him not right. necessarily the same thing. Um I will just say I guess the past that I'll give Denis is like Fade Rautha seem hmm. to be the type of like arrogant prick that would not end a fight when he clearly can. And would right. like instead talk and would instead talk shit. So that part, that's what we're that's what we see in the arena, right? right he could right. probably have killed that guy much sooner, and yeah. he doesn't. I also just want to shout out the hilarity of casting Leah Sedu as just a sexy little freak, which is basically <laughs> which is basically the only character she ever plays. 
yeah, no, she's awesome. And I, I, I shows up to be hot, read minds, and then leaves. Fuck. (laughs) Get pregnant. Um, yeah, she's awesome. I, I, everyone, even the people who has small amounts of screen time are, are doing some of their best work, right? Like they're, they're really crushing it. And I hope that means there's more for them in the next movie. Um, although you can see that everyone backing Paul is probably not a good person. I mean, it's it's not as black and white as that, but like there is like some evilness behind his mother and him, especially his mother. You 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 kind of feel satisfied, at least I did, when she looks over at the uh, Reverend sister, whatever her name is, and is like, "You chose the wrong side" or whatever, and I'm like. Oh, fuck that bitch. Fuck yeah. that old hag. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> what did you think of the death of uh, the Baron? Oh, it's so pathetic, right? Like, it's yeah. just so slimy and pathetic. It's exactly what he deserves. What He's climbing to kind of claim the throne for himself, even though I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. Like, he's like, he wants that chair at the top of the fucking staircase, and he can't get there, and Paul just comes and puts him down like an animal. Yep. Yeah. This is this rocks. And they throw you for a second when he's like grandfather. I'm like, oh shit, is he about oh, yeah. to save? Is he about to save this yeah. motherfucker? But yeah. nope. Nope. He just had to let him know before he killed him. I know <laughs> what your secret is. Yeah. It's it's so it's just so good. Um, and then one minor complaint I have is the way in which guns are deployed in this world. Mm. There's a lot of sword fighting. There's a lot of missiles and nukes. And we mm. see them use guns. Mm-hmm. But nobody has them. Mm. Why? I wonder if there's like... I know that... I wonder if there is like a... Almost Mad Max style. Like con, like they're trying to conserve bullets or something. Especially on a, like the Fremen. You know, I can see them not having but a wide see, surplus. Do you see of, my point? How it's like it, why they don't are... explain it. Yeah, like it, I feel like there's there should be more to that about like why don't we use guns? Because I mean, it, they explain why they they have these rockets. They were hidden, you know. So it's obvious, like that's fair. Like they were hiding those and and can use them now. But um, no, you, you make a valid point. I would be curious to go back and pay more attention to if the guards kind of at the end have more guns than the Fremen do mm. uh, and see if they're just hopelessly outmatched because they know the ways of the desert and shit. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do. I do see your point. All right. So that's it for me. Do you have any uh, final parting thoughts? Not really. Uh, I just think it's a, a awesome movie. I really enjoyed it. A good start to the year hope that we don't have to wait a terribly long time for messiah i know then he has like one of the projects he's working on right now and i think he said it'll be a while but i hope it's not like a super long time i would like to get the conclusion to this sooner rather than later but even though um, the film that he's doing sounds sick what is it exactly i don't know if i paid enough attention um hold on i i i know it stars someone we like i think well uh, I mean, he was supposed to be making a, uh, a HBO show with Jake That's Gyllenhaal. Right. I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, the film is an adaptation of the book called Rendezvous with Rama, which he has previously described as Arrival on Steroids. Random note here, I was just looking up who wrote this film uh, alongside Denis, and it's a mm-hmm. guy named John Spates. His first credit is The Darkest Hour, which is a 2011 um, sci-fi action film that stars Emil Hirsch. 
And then from there, what a odd career this guy has had. <laughs> uh, Prometheus in okay. 2012. Doctor Strange in 2016. <laughs> Passengers in, two, <laughs> in 2016. He did the story for the Tom Cruise, The Mummy. So he's okay. not getting an official screenwriting credit here, but he's got a story credit. And then Dune 1 and Dune 2. Huh. I wonder if he knows a guy. I know. How did Phil Dune find this guy? <laughs> not, no, no disrespect to this guy, but it's like that's such like a, a interesting career where you're not working on many small movies. You're kind of just working on the big hitters. Like that's pretty it's pretty crazy. And like to earn the trust of like somebody. Half of them are sick and then half of them are dogs. Yeah. Very that's interesting. Weird. I Very wonder weird. if he's someone who's like he he writes a first draft and then someone else comes in and changes it and mm. makes it worse. I don't know. His sci-fi romance 2007 was included on the 2000, 2007 blacklist. Cool. Of, of unproduced screenplays. Brief was commissioned. Yeah. And then he was, and then after Keanu Reeves agreed to produce and star in Passengers, this writer was commissioned by the CEO of Ridley Scott's production company to write the next two installments of the Alien Saga, two prequel wow. films to be directed by Ridley Scott. Uh he didn't he didn't write those. He no, write he Covenant. wrote uh Prometheus, but he did not write Covenant. At least as far as wow, what a career. Okay. Huh. <laughs> That'll do it this week on Post Credit Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, make sure to follow myself on Twitter at Eric underscore Ital and the podcast at Post Credit Pod. Follow Cade at Cade underscore Onder. And also, if you have an opportunity for him, you could reach out to him at, not the like at symbol, but just here's where you could reach him. Cade Onder zero at gmail.com. Right, Cade? Correct. All right, that is going to do it for this week. We will talk to you later. Peace. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. 